This podcast is brought to you by Alliance Motor Auctions. Has your car shit itself? Then you've got to go with Alliance. It's the easiest way to buy a quality car at a very competitive price. Located in Moorbank, New South Wales. Call 02-9822-7200 or visit www.allianceauctions.com.au South Coast Window Furnishings. Have your window furnishings shit themselves? Then you've got to get in touch with SCWF. They service the south coast of New South Wales from Wollongong to Bermagui. Give Jamie a call for a free quote on 0408 812 007 or like them on Facebook at South Coast Window Furnishings. Elite Sports Physiotherapy. Has your back or another part of your body shit itself? Then look no further than ESP. Established in 2006, Elite Sports Physiotherapy provides physiotherapy and massage services to the people of Melbourne. Located on the mezzanine level, 13-15-1 Freshwater Place in Southbank, Melbourne. Give them a call on 03-8640-0328 or visit elitesportsphysio.com.au today. Also, special thanks to verse.com.au for putting the finishing touches on this podcast. Cheers. Hello, fine listener. Thanks for pressing play. My guest this episode is Melbourne-based holistic dietitian Bonnie Chow. I went down to Bonnie's clinic. We talked about what first made her interested in diet and nutrition, how important a good diet is, and I also had a live one-on-one consultation. This is Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Bonnie Chow, thanks for taking it easy with me today. How are you? Great, thanks. Thanks for having me, Dan. No worries at all. Thanks for having me in here in your fantastic little setup here at the uh, Beyond Nutrition and Wellness in uh, North Fitzroy. Uh, You're the founder of this business. When did diet and nutrition become an interest for you? Yeah, so it didn't happen to me just overnight. I actually grew up quite unwell, so my journey kind of started from there. My parents were uh, non-English speaking migrants, so they came to Australia about 35 years ago and they didn't have a lot of nutrition knowledge or English knowledge to be exact, except for their own traditional Chinese medicine. So everything in Australia was quite new and was quite advanced for them and exciting. And so growing up, um, they had to work a lot and I grew up on a lot of processed food. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a lot of, I guess, like frozen meals and say um, like cereals and just packaged rubbish really because my parents didn't have time and they were working at night. So we basically had to fend for ourselves. And growing up with that type of nutrition wasn't the best. I grew up so sick. Um, I had a lot of allergies. So asthma was massive for me. I was um, getting infections. So sinus infections, chest infections, throat infections. And I was on all these different types of antibiotics. And I guess we started accepting that as being our normal, Mm. which was weird because as a kid, like, why are you always seeing a doctor? Why are you constantly unwell? And at the same time, I saw my mom get very unwell as well because she was struggling with being overweight uh, with her lifestyle as well. She had type 2 diabetes and really chronic reflux. Mm -hmm. And she would just be struggling all the time. And going to our GP, 
he would just prescribe medications, yeah. like just medication after medication, and it wasn't a solution resolution. She just kept getting sicker and sicker. And so when you watch your mom get so sick and she's just popping pills at the time, you you think, hang on, there must be a more natural way of doing this because mm. conventional medicine isn't doing anything right now. And so I want to do my own research, and I practiced on myself. So I cut out all junk food for a whole year. I stopped eating Macis. <laughs> yeah which was hard because I think we had like a lot of Happy Meal toys we were collecting back then <laughs> in the 90s. And so I cut that out and I started exercising a bit more and I was a bit more conscious of what was what I was eating. And look, you have to do this yourself because in when you're in primary school in the 90s, they don't really teach you about nutrition. So mm. I kind of winged it. Yeah. So I did that. I gave up a lot of fast food and started exercising and I dropped all my baby weight. <laughs> right. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Like this is from food. Like what's going on? So you just figured that out yourself? You just figured it out that it was food? Yes, You yes. linked that. So what sort of food were you eating uh, that, you, that you were having? Was it, was it just traditional Chinese food, something that we'd get from a Chinese takeaway all yeah, the time? Yeah, um, kind of. Like if we're... Mm. Occasionally, so a lot of the stuff you get from like Chinese restaurants, like beef, black bean sauce or like noodles or something, mm -hmm. uh, we actually don't eat a lot of that stuff at home. So restaurant Chinese food is very different to the home cooked style stuff you get at right. home. Our home would be more like steamed fish, like uh, roast chicken that's been cut up or uh, meatloaf and mm -hmm. like rice. But again, my parents were working a lot, so yeah. we didn't get a lot of the home cooked stuff. Right. What other? So you had respiratory issues with the asthma because that's often linked to diet, isn't it? Asthma and especially processed food. I've heard of that. I've had a bit of asthma when I was a kid mm. uh, from different foods that I had to cut out. Um, you took the matters into your own hands. That's quite a young – so you were like still primary school when you did that? Yeah, I was. I think I might have been like grade five, grade six. So it was just right. before high school. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then through high school, did you keep that going and, and – say to your parents, look, I've changed my diet, it's working for me, you should try it as well? Yeah, I think it was, it was a bit grey, like I kind of just kind of flowed with it. I didn't pay a lot of attention to it. It was maybe, maybe when after I hit puberty, I realised that no nutrition is actually really important, mm -hmm. especially when you start studying psychology and um, human development in like one of those year 10 subjects. You're yeah. like, oh, this is, this is relatable, this makes sense. And you start to do it some more, yeah. And then after school, did you you went to university to study diet and nutrition? Well, uh, not straight away. I actually did um, so right after high school. I did my bachelor's of human nutrition. So right. um, that's a it was a very like scientific based, and we learned a lot about the human body. So I did that for three years at La Trobe Uni, mm -hmm. um, and then I took a year off to work, and I studied part time in my cert three and four in fitness. Okay. So I am a personal trainer, but I just don't, don't practice as one. <laughs> right, right. I like to pretend I know what I'm doing in the gym. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've certainly got all bases covered in order to keep yourself fit and healthy, it don't you? It motivates you more because when you understand nutrition and then why we're exercising, it's like it makes sense, the human physiology part of it. Like why am I eating and why am I exercising? It just makes – it flowed in my head. Okay. And then after one year of working and doing PT, I did – um, nearly two years of my master's of dietetics at Deakin. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. So you've so about five years study total. Oh yeah. And when you were studying and picking up things, you're you're doing personal training. You're learning all these different things. Did you you'd already taught yourself a lot of things when you were younger? Did you think oh, I think my my way is better than what you were being taught? Did you have your own little ideas of eventually when you become professional? 
dietitian with your mm. own business that you could bring your own oh not touch really to it. i kept the i kept really open minded because obviously there's so much i didn't know um growing up because a lot of it was just trial and error but to mm. have the scientific background explaining the mechanisms to me i'm like oh yeah that makes more sense now so i would i would never be like i know what i'm doing like you don't know anything so i i was a very good student and i listened but as obviously as a practitioner you do what really does work Mm. yeah yeah now you're an accredited practicing dietitian and holistic healthcare practitioner with a Master of Dietetics and Bachelor of Human Nutrition. Mm-hmm. So I've nailed that. Yeah, yeah, you <laughs> got <a> it. <laughs> uh, can you explain? I, I've read about you on your website and I, I you know, know a little bit about diet and dietitians' nutrition. Can you explain the holistic approach to diet and how that works for people? That's more of a you're not just taking what you're eating and that's making mm. it with weight. So it's affecting your weight or mm. something like that, your diet. It's also mental things like skin it's everything isn't it yeah bang on yeah so that's that's what holistic is you're covering all your bases yeah so um i know with food and nutrition and diets there's this general concept that you know food equals weight loss or like if i eat more food it equals weight loss so i think the general public has this concept that diet is just only important for weight loss and that you know nothing else really matters but it's not true so as a holistic uh, dietitian, I do treat the body as a whole. So your nu- your nutrition is going to impact on everything because you you are what you eat or mm. you are what you absorb essentially. So for example, say your mental health. And the great thing about Australia is that there's a lot of emphasis on good mental well-being, mm. and I think people underestimate the importance of great nutrition. So. There's a lot of studies that are saying that depression is associated with inflammation in the body and our diet will play a role in how much inflammation we have. This is called neuroinflammation. So if we're having a, a processed diet that is full of like sugar or like or just rubbish food, you're not going to feel that great. And mm. it actually infects your, your mental health, your headspace. And it is such an important issue that people should understand. Is it, is it as simple as bad takeaway food makes you feel sluggish mm. and then being sluggish then you're sitting at home that's bad for your mental health where they say if you're getting up and exercising that's good for your mental health is it as simple as that or is there a lot more that goes into it oh that's than, one yeah. concept of a year but the, the actual act of eating processed food is going to drive up a lot of inflammation in your body so if you think of takeaway food like in you know asian restaurants or just burger restaurants the type of oils they use is quite inflammatory. So they use right. cheap types of vegetable oils like canola oil, vegetable oils for deep frying the potatoes and mm. meat patties and things. And so when your diet predominantly is full of processed things, like you're absorbing these type of nothing really. You're not really yeah. absorbing anything great and your body doesn't have the nutrients to thrive. Right. Yeah. Uh, once you were qualified... Did you work at other practices or did you just start your own business straight away? I actually started working at my um, family GP. So, okay. yeah, family yeah. doctor. Um, and I guess because I think I started doing private practice, I kind of just, I wasn't sure what I was doing, but I, I knew I wanted to help people. And what better place than a medical clinic, which yeah. I was very familiar with. So I ended up getting um, a gig there, <laughs> which, yeah. was, which was great. It was very busy. It was a bulk build clinic. Okay, yeah. Lots of sick people. Yeah. And, but whether they wanted to change or not, that was a different story. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 
So now you've got your own business here now. We're sitting in your consultation rooms. When someone has a consultation with you, uh, what's the first things you try and find out about that person? Everything. (laughs) (laughs) So we actually spend a whole hour together and you can actually find out a lot about someone if they talk to you for a whole hour about their mm. lives. But um, because our your treatment plan is so tailored to you, say, for example, Dan, it needs to be um, realistic to your goals. So we will talk about, say, your, um, your anthropometry, so your weight, your weight history, if you've had a history of dieting, what's worked, what hasn't worked for you. We'll go into your biochemistry. So I like to think of it as A, B, C, and D. So mm-hmm. A is antho. B is biochemistry. So that's your most recent blood tests okay. or any reports or something you've, your doctor's picked up. So mm-hmm. we will look at everything. Clinical is would be C. So things are like your clinical symptoms at the moment. So are you getting constipation? Are you getting diarrhea? Are you getting reflux or nausea or leg cramps? Like mm-hmm. this will tell me what the body is missing and what needs to be prioritized and d which is my favorite is diet so what are you actually eating on a typical day because it's like connecting the dots for me it's really fun so when you tell me like a bit more about yourself and you tell me what you're eating i can just pick up what is causing what and i can make little changes and suggestions for you Mm. but a a lot of it is individualized it's just it's great are you getting many people that come in that physically are in great shape but are having issues with their gut or, as you say, leg cramps, things like that? Is yeah. that? But they're still obviously eating well to be in great shape. So is, is there maybe one thing they're having that is triggering that? Mm, I guess it depends. Like I think physically it's hard to see from um, on the outside, mm. but inside they might not be telling you what's going on. So, yeah, they might be at home behind closed doors. They're having difficulties like breaking down protein or they're having bloating and they, they're getting constipated at home but you won't know because do, they, do people really tell you about these personal things? Right, that's the yeah. other thing, isn't it? You, you want to, I suppose over time they get to know you a bit better then they'll open up a bit more but initially it is hard to say, you know, like, I'm constipated straight away. Oh, you mean you the just, initial consult you mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I get everything out of it. Oh, her. do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, I thought you mean like socially. I'm like, oh, yeah, socially. You wouldn't then tell people. But yeah, no, like I will get so much out of it in the first consult because oh, they come here, they want to get better. They will tell me as much as they possibly can, like that, what they know, and in order for me to give them the best advice. But yeah, totally. I try to get as much as I can out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and obviously everybody is different, right? But is there... A general plan diet that would work for everyone. Say you could have 10 people come in this room right now. They're all different shapes and sizes, different ages. But could you give them one diet that would help them all? Or is it? would you have to really be specific for each person? Yeah, absolutely not. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I know it's very tempting for people to say, oh, this diet is amazing and everyone should be on it mm. and X, Y, Z. But as we were saying, like, People are very individualized. So if someone, say, example, has eczema and paralysis, like skin issues, and it doesn't mean maybe that particular diet is going to be great for that person. This person would have increased requirements for, say, zinc, vitamin C, collagen, Mm. vitamin A for their particular medical condition. And then if you have someone else, say, hypothyroidism, so it's just someone who has a, a slow-functioning thyroid. So it can it's a gland under your neck that controls your metabolism and your energy expenditure. 
people with slow functioning thyroids, they can experience uh, hair loss, feeling cold in the extremities, mm -hmm. constipation, having a low mood, feeling fatigued all the time. And so this person's diet is going to be completely different to the person with eczema and paralysis. Mm. So for people to say, you know, a general diet, um, I think it's really hard to say. It just depends on a person. It's interesting, isn't it? Because on TV, we're seeing these diets advertised for everyone. But really, at the end of the day, it, it's only if it suits your type. Like it's, yeah, you could you yeah. could try Jenny Craig or any of these diets that you see advertised, but something in it might trigger something bad for you. So mm, yeah. it's really an individual yeah. talent and where people like yourself come in to be able to show yeah. someone that what exactly works for them. Yeah, and I guess that's what's different about being a clinical dietitian. So working with your doctor, working with medications and your past medical history, they're a lot more in-depth compared to, say, you know, buying a menu plan online. Like mm. They're not very tailored for you. And people can follow any menu plan for a short term, but long term, can you even follow it? So back to your question about, about a basic diet, what I do recommend is for everyone is to be having a diet that's mainly minimally processed and full of whole foods, like mm. as much as they can. Yeah, yeah, right. Do you think the general public underestimate how many things in their life and their body can improve with a better diet? Do you think people underestimate that? Yeah, totally. In Australia, yeah. Or in the world, pretty much? Yeah, yeah. Like, I know people kind of walk around, they go to their works, and they're saying things like, oh, I'm having cravings for this, for caffeine, or something for sugar, or I haven't been sleeping well. And so, if you kind of take a step back and have a look at your nutrition and your lifestyle, that can play, that can give you a lot of answers. For example, for the sleep part, if someone isn't eating enough, say protein or essential amino acids which is your building blocks of protein mm -hmm. they actually can't make um like your sleepy hormones so tryptophan is one of the essential amino acids and so it gets converted into serotonin which is our happy neurotransmitter so it's yeah. the the chemical that makes you feel really happy and satisfied mm -hmm. and for serotonin to it needs to be converted to melatonin and that's your sleepy hormone and that comes out when it's dark mm -hmm. so as you can see your diet actually is the building blocks to make you live a like healthy life wow yeah it's yeah when you break it down like that it's quite interesting isn't it that you we would still now we know i know that you know but people would still ignore that and just go and get some maccas and stay awake all night <laughs> yeah and look i know habit is very hard for people to change because one we want to do what's comfortable but I know short term it feels really good, especially when you're when you don't have really good stress management or coping mechanisms. We will go towards the most easiest and most comfortable thing. But I think long term people know that, that it's not very good for them, mm. and it's important for people to I guess prioritize themselves because you don't want to hit you know sixty years old and getting all these chronic diseases when mm. it was preventable in the first place. Right. Uh, I mentioned Jenny Craig before. Um, now, now it seems like more than ever, there's so many different diets on TV available in the world. I've friends that go on different things like paleo, and you got Jenny Craig, light and easy. There's there's hundreds now different diets uh, that people can can go on. What do you think of the diet plan that these companies come out with? Have you ever sat down and looked at what they provide? Uh, people say like a, a light and easy or something like that all that is is really portion control isn't it it's just three meals a day small small meals um do you think they focus a lot on the 
chemicals building to help you sleep? Do you think their meals are tailored around that or it's more just weight loss? Yeah, most likely not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know there's a big selling point is for people for quick results. And a lot mm. of these companies, um, they, they like to promise quick results. They say, follow our meal plan. We'll feed you six times a day. And a lot of times it's three meals and three snacks. Mm. And they are at a low lower calorie um, intake. So people do tend to lose weight uh, initially, but whether they stay on like a food company sending their meals or they will continue on themselves, that's a different question. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and something that we were taught in school and you see it now every now and again on, on st- probably, probably still up in schools is the famous food pyramid, um, which Back, I know back in the day was was totally around the wrong way. The, the certain foods we're supposed to be eating a lot of were actually down the wrong end of the scale and now it's all been tipped around. Do you use the food pyramid at all or is it totally just useless now? Because one minute you're getting told you should eat a bit of meat, then you're saying, oh, you're eating too much meat or it's not enough meat or pasta's good for you, then it's not good for you. Uh, does the food pyramid come into your calculations at all? Yeah, so we, I used a lot of food pyramid in university, so that mm. was what we were taught. Um, and so as um, coming out and being a private practice dietitian, um, I've followed a lot of the research and I understand that my clients don't benefit from following the food pyramid. Mm. So I don't use it for my own clients, especially if you think about how much carbohydrate the food pyramid recommends it's about 300 grams of carbs and for the average person who's quite sedentary they don't really they're not very active Mm. and they're sitting behind a desk or they go home they're commuting and they're just so tired are they even able to burn off that amount of energy just from carbs and you get this you get people starting to gain a lot of weight but Mm -hmm. especially when you're combining fat with the carbs so like pastas burgers and lasagna so people don't tend to eat carbohydrates by itself they mm. put it with stuff to make it more palatable like you know marinades and sauces and things yeah it makes it very easy to overeat but in general no i don't follow the the pyramid i do what's best for my clients and i follow mm. most recent evidence-based um recommendations right and is sugar is sugar something you try and get out altogether of a person's I'm actually diet? making a video about that. I was doing the script for that this morning oh, about really? <laughs> sugar addiction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll, be, it'll be a really good one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, a, that's one of the key things I do try to get people to try to wean themselves off. Mm-hmm. Um, and sugar can be quite enticing for people because you get this beautiful to- dopamine hit. You feel lovely and you know happy for you know short term. And then your dependency on it actually increases because you your your brain can your brain actually changes to the amount that you need. So you need a higher hit each time of sugar, um, and it's a very easy way to gain weight for again the the average person. Mm. So I try to like omit as much as we can in a diet, and they feel great. Do you think it's easy to find uh, to go to the shops and, and buy a weekly shop avoiding sugar? It, it seems. I've watched shows where, you know, the, the different sugar movies where they show how it's in everything. It just, when I watch that, I said, is there anything, obviously fruit and vegetable, you know, you can buy that stuff, but it just seems anything that's packaged, you need to read the label. It just seems like everything has some sort of sugar in it. Do you find that? Yeah, That's yeah. a hard thing to get around? 
I guess maybe for the uh, so for someone who doesn't have a lot of nutrition knowledge, it can be hard for them. Yeah, mm. totally. They actually need to pick up a packet and turn it around and have a look at the ingredients list. And it can be hard for people who haven't had doesn't have a background in nutrition mm. or don't know about these food additives and what's what's this and what's that, um, and how to interpret you know you know protein, fats, and carbohydrates. It's confusing for people. It's very easy for people to. Um, give in to marketing gimmicks like oh you know low fat and like no added salt and people buy into it mm. and you've got all these like different like rating systems and people will go with it yeah. so it is it can be confusing for people so would you do a lot of your shopping personally at fresh food markets and things like that is that where you're getting your weekly shop from oh uh, i actually go to Woolworths and Coles a lot. <laughs> I'm in the northern suburbs and like it's for me to drive out, it's like I know I, I do want to go to more f- like farmers markets and produce. Yeah. Um, I am close to Preston Market so like there's no excuse for me not to go there and suss out but I just don't like a lot of crowded places like right. it makes me a bit anxious. Okay. But yeah I, yeah, I do try to do a lot of my food shopping in like not so much the middle of the groceries but more on the sides where like the eggs and the veggies and the meats are like right. i do a lot more stuff like that yeah and do you take the time i know this is a something that people struggle with is the time it takes to eat healthy it takes longer doesn't it because fast food is obviously so the reason it's called fast food is because it's in your mouth in 30 seconds uh anything in cans and processed things at the supermarket are easy to get you can take them home you're eating where if you want to eat healthy it's going to take a bit more time you've got to cook things you've got to cut things up but you know it's that effort Mm. Uh, i try and eat relatively healthy but i know when i have a really healthy meal it takes Mm. three times as long to prep Mm. than a a, a Mm. fast food meal for example I think that's one of the challenges for people. Um, they they have this idea that I want to change and I want to feel better and eat better, but it's just little things like time restraints or having yeah. poor energy. Mm. They come home, they're like, oh, I don't want to cook. Like, I'll do something else. So I'll just get Uber Eats or something. It's so easy. It's yeah, so Uber, easy. Yeah. I do tip with your fingers. Yeah. Um, but I guess in order for you to make a change, you need to do something that it's going to be uncomfortable and mm. being being uncomfortable isn't a bad thing it's going to help you grow the most if you're if you're able to put some time away and kind of food prep a little bit even if you were baking sweet potatoes for example just bake a hell lot of sweet potato mm. and then you have extras for a couple of meals yeah. or if you if you're making stir fry or a curry just cook yourself extra portions mm. and then you save yourself time for cooking the next day because yeah. no one wants to cook every single meal <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, that's it it's, it's all time and, and you can imagine people with kids and busy families you yeah just the time you have to prep is is minimal you're listening to taking it easy with daniel connell Hey, before we go back to the podcast, I want to tell you about someone. That someone is Melbourne-based photographer Nicole Reed. One of the most sought-after photographers going around, Nicole has taken photos for all sorts of people. Comedians like Peter Hellyer and Anne Edmonds, musical acts like the Hilltop Hoods, and sports stars like Buddy Franklin. If you want to see how great her work is, I suggest you head over to her Instagram page. It's Nicole Reed Photographer. While you're at it, you may as well jump on her website, which is www.nicolereed.photography. Get in contact and book in a shoot today. Now let's get back to the podcast. Uh, you mentioned portions there, uh, and I mentioned portion control earlier in the podcast. Uh, is that something you try and teach people? I know portion control 
is a major thing for weight loss. And I remember a, a friend of mine's uh, partner uh, does dietitian and similar things like that. And she saw me eating a meal once and it, she said, that's enough for three people. <laughs> and I said... What were we eating? It was like a pasta, like a spaghetti bolognese that oh. I'd serve myself. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay, no worries. <laughs> I'll yeah. keep that in mind. Yeah. Is, is portion control a really crucial thing when that's you're... That's because pasta is so easy to overeat. Of course, for someone your size, that's going to be not <laughs> enough food. Like even I could finish that mu- much food. Yeah. Because carbohydrates are very easy to overeat, especially right. when, you, when you don't team it up with like fats and protein with it. And so I do find that in terms of portions, people can easily overeat carbs, mm-hmm. pasta, bread, rice. So easy to overeat. But then when you try to, when someone's trying to eat a steak, it's really hard to overeat a steak because mm. it's a lot of it is predominantly protein. Yeah. So I think it depends on context and on the individual. But yeah, in, with my clients, we do look at portions and it's amazing how much they're actually under eating the right types of food and overeating the processed stuff. Yeah. And then once you do a switch, they feel so much better. Yeah, right. Yeah. And three meals a day, is that the standard? Or should be snacking? Uh, some diets say you should eat small things eight times a day, where some things say three meals a day. What? what I've would never you... heard of eight times. I've heard of six, <laughs> but where did that come from? Maybe I made that up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't agree on people snacking all the time. It's not very good for your gut. Um, right. Because constantly eating isn't great for blood sugar level control either. The only time I think someone should be eating smaller meals is if, um, I guess, I know, for example, like a bodybuilder and they have really huge protein requirements. They can't actually fit in all their protein in three meals. So they have to break it up into six smaller meals. Mm. Or for example, an elderly person, they don't have the appetite to eat more food. So they themselves have to eat small frequent meals. But for the average person who works nine to five, you know, they're not really moving around. They don't need to be eating six times a day. Mm. And it's just, it's not great for concentration. It's not good for your digestion. Right. Um, I like to say eat when you're hungry. Yeah. And try to retrain yourself to recognize hunger signals. Right. And should we stop eating at a certain time of night as well? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, not too close to bedtime because mm. if you think about it, you're trying to sleep, and if your stomach is like gurgling and like churning away, it's going to disrupt your quality of sleep. So. Yeah, not too late, like say midnight and then you're going to bed straight afterwards. It's going to affect your sleep. Yeah, yeah. so not even like I, – I, I try and eat before 8 p.m. every night. I, I'll go to bed about 11, but I'm trying to eat before 8 just so Yeah, that's no, fine. Yeah, mm. you feel really good. Like not to the point where you're going to bed hungry, but mm. you're not stuffed either. I think yeah. that's a great time. But you wake up quite hungry, which is, I guess, a good thing. Yeah. Um, I have been a migraine sufferer for a long time. I had them – uh, chronically as a teen and I kept a food diary uh, from my doctor asked me to do uh, for a couple of years and, and so we could tell what was triggering them when I was getting them. We worked out that chocolate was my major trigger uh, and I donated three or four other things now as a result to try and you know, keep the migraines at bay. Do you get many migraine sufferers coming in and seeing you? I imagine that would be a, a yeah, high turn of, a yeah. few, yeah, especially mm. the women with um, high estrogen. Mm. Um, if they've had um, the contraceptive pill or the marina or something, they have hormone imbalances that can interfere with migraines. Yeah. Can I ask what other foods were you are you reacting? Do you think you can react to? That I, can give I you so migraines? I crossed off the list after doing the two years. I, I so cocoa was number one. Yeah, lime, lime. Yeah, mint, mint. And uh, oranges, I steer clear of. I can have lemon; it's fine. Never, yep. never affected me. But 
those ones. And I, I and blueberries, I, I steer clear of as well. Um, so there's five things. But, yeah, I, mm. I just kept the diary and they were the things that were coming up. Uh, my dad is the same with cocoa. He can't have that. It's funny, like people don't really know exactly what causes the migraines. They're a real head scratcher, I know, for mm. uh, the uh, smarter people trying to figure it out. But I just feel like it's, for me, gut. Like if I'm eating healthy, uh, obviously getting plenty of sleep, drinking water, you can you, you get less of them, uh, basically. Um, but yeah, that's why I ask you, you know, with the, with the diet, I imagine, you know, a diet could help someone. Yeah, of course. Mm. Um, so there are actually different reasons why someone can get migraine headaches. Um, one of them is, I guess, nutrient deficiencies. So if someone say has, um, the copper IUD in say women, they might have too much copper and not enough zinc and zinc okay. is so important for your, um, your brain health. Mm-hmm. And that can, an imbalance in these two minerals can cause migraine headaches. Or for someone, someone else who food intolerance. So if you're reacting to say cocoa, blueberries, which is, it sounds like a bit of an, an assortment of food. It's all over the shop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. is. Um, you can also get food, um, your gut tested just mm. to see if there is an overgrowth in bacteria that you're, mm. you could that could be feeding off these back, um, these foods and causing symptoms. So oh. the bacteria can actually release a lot of the inflammatory substances into your bloodstream and that can trigger a migraine in people. Right. So the thing is we don't know until we sit down and have a look at you as mm. a whole. Yeah. yeah, and pick it all apart. Mm. Yeah. There's so many things that can contribute to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you mentioned women there with the, the hormone issue from taking uh, contraceptives and things. Are, are you seeing more women in your practice than men? I, I feel like it's something that a man... Uh, I'm sure men are getting better with it now, but, um, uh, you know, men's like, oh, I'm fine, pies and going to the footy and beer, I'm fine. You know, it just seems like something a man coming to see a dietitian would be less, you know, women are much more smarter in that aspect of looking after themselves. I think men are starting to pick up on Mm. nutrition is really important because I think we're all um, quite conscious of like how we look and how we feel and we want to feel better. We want to live fulfilling lives. Mm. And if nutrition does hit the nail like why not investigate and i'm i'm getting more men who are being more conscious um like things like skin issues like skin rashes or really having low libido low energy levels and nutrition and stress really your lifestyle is going to play a big role and that's Mm. what we do and would that be the same with young uh teens with acne is that diet related as well you're getting many teens coming in I know uh, I've had, you know, I had trouble with acne all across my shoulders when I was in my teens and Mm. we tried to figure out and and that was linked to chocolate as well, believe it or not. But yeah, just trying to find something. Is is that something you're seeing as well? Yeah. And if you think about a teen's diet, usually it's not that great Mm. (laughs) because when I was a teen, it wasn't that great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, when you look at what they're eating and again, it's quite inflammatory diet and they're also doing maybe even unhealthy things like maybe drinking or smoking and mm. staying up late thinking unhealthy thoughts and so all this can really cause you know disease in the body mm. yeah okay now i've brought along a little list um would you mind doing a mini consultation with me yeah, sure. for the podcast excellent uh so i'll tell you what i ate over the weekend and we'll try and work out whether i'm on a reasonable path or not or I need to pull did you my plan this or was it quite like no, no, I just, I just ate what I normally eat. I'm pretty willy-nilly with my diet, but obviously when I go to pick something, I'm trying to pick a healthier option. Yeah. Uh, so Saturday, breakfast, mm-hmm. I had four wheat bix with milk. 
Um, a couple of hours later, had a cup of tea and a banana. Lunchtime, had a burger and chips. They were zucchini chips, so not potato chips. Is that like um, grilled? Yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, and then because I had the burger and chips for dinner, I had a few hours uh, before a gig and I thought, I'll just have a banana and strawberry shake with a few nuts in it for dinner. Yep. Uh, that's it. That's all I ate on Saturday. Thoughts? Where is your protein? <laughs> like, I'm thinking, like, how are you here on a Monday? <laughs> like, talking to me, it's like, it's fine. Like, I don't know. Like, how did you feel? Like, were you, was your, how was your energy levels during the day on Saturday? Not too bad. I didn't do much, though. Mm. I just sort of chilled out at home. In the burger, there was meat, yeah. chicken, a bit of protein there. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. And I guess, do the nuts have protein in it? A little, yeah. A little. Yeah, I felt fine. And then Saturday night I went and did a show and I felt quite good. Mm. Uh, so you think there's a bit of, bit of protein lacking there? A little bit, yeah. Especially someone your size, you can definitely have a little bit more. Okay. Um, and I guess with, you know, I think it depends on a person too because I don't actually know what else is going on in your medical history if, you know, like your clinical symptoms. Like mm. unless I know more about it, I could pinpoint it. But just by looking at what you're eating – I guess, you know, I don't know a lot of people who start off the day with wheat bix and milk and feel great the whole day. Like, I tend to get, like, these stories saying, oh, I'm really hungry. Like, I have to eat, like, straight away and I'm starving yeah. and I'm cranky. And so, so like, it, it depends on the person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I must say, I have eaten wheat bix for about 30 years as well. So, maybe my I grew body, up on wheat bix too. <laughs> maybe my body's just uh, craving it. Um, you said my size. I should point out for listeners that I'm about six foot five and about ninety kilos. So that's the size we're dealing with here. Uh, Sunday, this is what I had: uh, four wheat bix and milk for breakfast. <laughs> Mix it up a bit. Uh, lunchtime, I had a pie, a meat pie, uh, beef pie. It's quite delicious. Uh, I had some banana nuts and prunes, kind of in the afternoon, and then dinner time had uh, vegetables and chicken Kiev. There's your vegetables, like you didn't have on Saturday, but you had on Sunday. Okay. Mm, there's my mm. vegetables, yeah. Had like uh, carrot and broccoli yeah. boiled. Is that, is that a bit more better than the day before? A or little, yeah, yeah. Like what about things like your gut health? Like do you have any issues? Uh, no, no, my toilet's pretty good. Like I'm, I, I, um, I do eat prunes pretty regularly. Uh, I've had trouble with if I eat bread – a couple of days in a row or have some crumpets or bread or yeah like a pie if i had toast for breakfast and then that pie i i would be a little bit backed up for example Mm, there's Um, not much fiber in that yeah yeah right so would it would i be better off having porridge for breakfast Mm. or just fruit yeah like if you find that carbs work work well for you Mm. During, like in the morning, yeah, you can eat pretty much anything you want. Right. Um, I think it's more important for people with medical conditions if they have pre-diabetes, if they have like inflammatory bowel disease or something else is going on. They mm. need to be more careful on what they're type, trying to eat. But for you, Dan, it sounds like you're thriving really well on <laughs> the stuff you're eating. Like you look, you seem fine. <laughs> but yeah, I, again, if someone comes to me and they're actually really unwell, then maybe wheat picks and oats aren't the best option for them okay yeah. yeah but i should be weekends i do get a little bit lazy i must admit i don't weekdays like I'm, tired you mean oh no lazy in my choices oh yeah um yeah. 
I wouldn't know if I'm tired because I guess like Saturday, Sunday, I chill out a bit during the yeah. day where weekdays I'm normally out and about working and I really focus on, you know, we'll have some grilled fish and vegetables tonight. We'll have a pasta the next night trying to mix that up. On um, a weekdays, yeah. Yeah, I'm a bit better. Um, but I just always aim – I just aim for a balanced diet. Like mm. I, I do – I am conscious. So if I had like chicken and vegetables last night, I'll, you know, I'll tonight – I'll try and mix it up tonight. Maybe just have a some a vegetarian pasta, something like that. I do try and eat my carbs more in the morning and mm. daytime rather than at night. I heard that that's a good thing rather than – because you're not moving as much as the nighttime, you're burning your carbs during the day. Is that right? Yeah, it doesn't really matter because the whole day, um, it, it doesn't really matter what time of day you're having carbs. You can have it in the evening, you have it during the day because you you do a lot of your, um, you build, you're building, repairing your muscles and your body at nighttime when you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. So it's your total amount of carbohydrates and protein and fat you're having in the whole day. But people right. do like to have it during the day because they just give you that burst of energy to get on with the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, no worries. Well, uh, I, I, the look on your face suggests I need to fix things up a bit. You've been very kind, I think. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I used to have – put it this way, I used to have 10 wheat picks in the morning. Mm, yeah. That's too many wheat picks, isn't it? Were you used to be like an athlete? Like were you doing sports or anything? Uh, I've always been sporty but I wasn't a professional sports person. Like I wasn't doing 10 wheat picks like George Gregan or Timmy Cahill – on the mm. boxes of the wheat picks, you know, the sports people telling you to eat 10 or whatever. You know what, Dan? You're one of the, the exceptions. <laughs> yeah, you're one of those people who can get away with eating a lot of carbs and burning like burning them off just being how active you are. You have a lot of lean muscle mass on you. I f- yeah, I, f- I feel like I've always had a, a fast metabolism Yeah. Uh, because if I don't eat every couple – if I don't have – I bought a banana with me today. I you see that. commented on that when I walked <laughs> up the stairs. That was a good, that was a good thing to bring. So if I don't eat every couple of hours, say I don't eat, have lunch and then I don't eat anything till say four or five, I feel a bit, I get a bit faint. Yeah. So I need That's to make sure common. that I'm, I'm, I'm eating just little things. I've always. You got can to actually m- prevent that from having, having to eat every three to four hours and feeling a bit dizzy, a bit nauseous, you need to eat something because your blood sugars have crashed. Okay. This is what I'm saying with the wheat bix or starting your day off with really high carb. Mm-hmm. Your whole day you're going to have this roller coaster of high and low blood sugar levels. Right. Yeah. So if you are able to, I guess, increase your f- healthy fat and your protein with your meals, that can help balance out your blood sugar control. Because okay. if you think of eating the banana just by itself, it's fruit is fruit is, is great, but when you eat it by itself, you're going to have this dip really quickly, like mm-hmm. an hour and a half soon and then you're going to be hungry again for your next snack or right. next meal so balancing your blood sugars is going to help so energy. so what would you suggest i add to my four wheat bix with breakfast mm. so a bit of raw meat or something yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> or the iron like tuna or something like that a can of tuna like you mean in your wheat bix like, no 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 just to, just as a thing oh. to help me have a bit more protein oh. um you could have maybe eggs. scrambled eggs on the side you could yeah. probably do maybe hemp seeds or a handful of nuts on your wheat bix okay but again if if you were coming to me and you were having medical conditions i would not recommend wheat bix okay. you, <laughs> only you're just an exception dan that's why i'm saying you can't have it <laughs> Oh, that's excellent. I'm going to leave here. I've got a bit of an idea of what I need to do then to not crash throughout the day. Excellent stuff. Doing this job, I was thinking about it when I was writing the questions for today. Um, it must be a very rewarding job. 
uh, being uh, able to speak with people one-on-one and go through with them, you know, something that's going to improve their life? Oh, yes. It's, I find it so rewarding, um, especially when people have been so sick for many years. Like, they haven't been able to tolerate certain foods for 15 years, like red meat or onion and garlic, which mm. are pretty common ones. And then they're like, oh, I actually can eat it now. And it's amazing. And it's something so simple as, you know, training the body to uh, be able to, like, not react badly to it anymore. So like, it's just a smile on people's faces where they can enjoy life a little bit more. Mm. Yeah. It's excellent. And how, how many times would you see someone uh, until they you've set them on their path to stick with forever like mm, it depends again like some people need a little bit more hand holding mm, they need that support they, they want to be sure they're on the right path and some people are just guns they just you tell them what to do they do it they get results and mm. you don't have to see them that often so if someone needs a bit more hand holding i might see them maybe uh, in the first fortnight and then we'll break it up to every once a month if mm. they're guns then yeah just once a once a month until i know they're, they're confident, they're happy, they can fly off yeah. by themselves. Yeah. And is there, there must be a psychological part of it as well where you need to, you, you know, you're seeing people in quite vulnerable situations. I'm sure people break down in front of you in tears and you've got to, you know, is that, a, is that a tough part of the job or is it just something you're trained and you just, you get used to it? It's actually a beautiful moment because right. people, they try to be strong for their loved ones, mm. for everyone else but they're not strong for themselves and for them to come into my office and I, I offer them a safe space just to talk and let it out and they realize how unhappy or unhealthy they are and they realize that it's time for them to take care of themselves and a lot of that built-up tension they've been holding into their chest they can finally release it and just cry it out and it's one of the most cleansing and therapeutic things for someone to do mm. um and it's and, that's, and as an empathetic person myself, I really connect with patients. Um, I understand where they're coming from so they can feel safe and talk to me about it. Because at the end of the day, they come here to get better. They, mm. they, need, they realize there's a problem and they're here for help. Yeah, yeah. excellent. And what, what I mean, we mentioned like teens and, and, and different ages of people throughout the podcast. What would be the main age of people you're seeing in here? Are you seeing people that are 50s, 60s that have realised, oh, you know, I better get on top of my health now so I can live as long as I can? Or are you seeing, uh, you know, 20s to 30s more? Mm, I was seeing a lot of um, like uh, like 40s to 60s mm. in my other clinics. Yeah. Uh, so it depends on the area. But yeah, normally okay. the GPs send them to me because they're so unwell and yeah. they're like, see the dietitian. They're like, I don't even want to be here. <laughs> like, right. okay. Um, but yeah, it, but the small handful who did want the change, they get the best results because they're willing to put in the effort. Mm-hmm. But here, I do see more younger people, um, especially if they follow me on social medias. So younger, maybe 18 to late 30s okay yeah they're getting younger oh. okay um, as i say we're in your lovely uh clinic here uh, beyond it, nutrition and wellness in melbourne if someone is listening to this podcast uh and they've enjoyed uh the chat and would like to know more about you and maybe come and see you for a consultation how would someone go about that yeah, so I practice um, in Fitzroy North in Melbourne, Victoria. Um, I see clients in person on Mondays, um, but I also offer online consultations right. um, Tuesdays and Fridays. But yeah, they can people can follow me um, on social media where I post a lot of nutrition and mindset content um, on Instagram and Facebook. 
Mm-hmm. Um, my name is Beyond Nutrition Wellness. Yeah, excellent. Mm-hmm. That's all. So you've got an Instagram on there yes. under that name. Excellent mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, I'll plug everything at the end of the uh, thing. And, and are you, you booked out a fair way in advance? If people wanted to come in and see you face-to-face, do they need to get there and get on top of that? Or do they need to go through a doctor and get a Oh, they uh, can, referrals? yeah. So the best thing about being a dietitian, I guess, there's the support of Medicare. So mm-hmm. um, you can get a referral from your doctor for a chronic care plan if it's a condition that you need diet- dietary support and um, a dietitian can help you. The GP can write your referral to see me and Medicare can cover a bit of your costs. Yeah. But essentially, you can book in any time online. That's what the system's for. Excellent. <laughs> so handy. That's great. Well, um, thanks very much for uh, chatting with me today. I um, I now know a bit more about myself uh, and my diet. If there's anyone out there and you want to know more about yours, I suggest you come and see Bonnie or chat to her online. If Wheat Bix is listening, I'm up for a deal of any kind. I can, yeah, I'm happy to be the face of Wheat Bix. Uh, Bonnie's not shaking her head. She's not keen on that deal. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, yeah, thanks very much for uh, taking it easy with me today. Thanks for having me, Dan. It's been a pleasure. No worries. Hey, thanks very much for listening. If you'd like to get around Bonnie, that's Bonnie Chow. You can check her out on Instagram and Facebook uh, under Bonnie Chow Holistic Dietitian. That's H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C Dietitian. And her business is called Beyond Nutrition Wellness. So if you put that into Instagram and Facebook, Bonnie Chow Holistic Dietitian Beyond Nutrition Wellness, that will come up. Follow her and see what she's up to. Uh, You can also check out her website, which is beyondnutritionwellness.com.au. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends. They'd be much appreciated. Word of mouth, as you are probably aware, is pretty key. Uh, if you listened on my website, tell people to go there. If you listened on Spotify, uh, get a follow go on there and uh, tell your friends to get on there as well. Also on Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe and leave a comment there or a rating. They'd be much appreciated. Uh, while you're on the website, danielconnell.com.au, you can check out my upcoming gigs for live shows around the place. Uh, you can also check out some videos on there. I've got all sorts of stuff. Uh, previous episodes of this podcast are also on there. Uh, if you're in a liking mood, you can also check out my Facebook and Instagram. That's Daniel Connell Comedy. Follow those. Also got uh, Twitter at Daniel Connell Three. And that is about it. Really appreciate you listening, and take it easy. <laughs>